0: Welcome to Energy Analyst Talk, a podcast from ESAI
1: Energy. Welcome to Energy Analyst Talk. My name is Jake Wright, and today we'll talk about how the production cuts affect Russia and will complicate its role as a crude supplier to Asia and Europe. Joining us on this episode is Andrew Reed, who is our Russian Caspian crude expert. Thanks for joining us today, Andrew.
0: Hey, thank you. It's an exciting time.
1: So Andrew, let's start with the agreed cuts and sort through some of the confusion over the distinction between crude and condensate production.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea. One of the uh, interesting things about the OPEC plus cuts is that we've seen these reference production levels, such as 11 million barrels per day for Russia. But the same thing goes for other non-OPEC countries, including Caspian producers like Kazakhstan and Azerbaijan, where we're talking about a reference production level that is actually usually based on crude and condensate production and then a cut to a specific production level but in fact the production level is is crude only so it's pretty interesting in the case of russia for example you have an 11 million barrels per day production as a reference yet russia has only been producing about 10.5 million barrels a day of crude so when russia agreed to cut to just under 8.5 million barrels per day in fact what they were really admitting themselves to do in practice is cut by 2 million barrels per day. So if we're talking about Russia's overall crude and condensate production, we're talking about them dropping from 11.3 million barrels per day to 9.3 million barrels per day. And now there's just as much confusion with the other non-OPEC countries. For example, uh, take Kazakhstan. They are committed to cut by supposedly 390,000 barrels per day. But when you take just the crude component of their production, they're actually gonna cut by a little less than 300,000 barrels per day. Similarly, Azerbaijan, according to the agreement, they're supposed to cut from about 750,000 barrels per day now to uh, 554,000 barrels per day. But if you take out their condensate, what they're really gonna do is cut from more like 660,000 barrels per day to 550. So we're talking about closer to 100,000 barrels per day. So the cuts aren't nearly as big is what the uh, agreement suggests.
1: So are all the oil companies on board and have they agreed on the cuts?
0: Well, uh, that's what's interesting and leaves me uh, a little doubtful about immediate implementation is traditionally with these agreements, the cuts are divided up among Russian producers based on their uh, share of overall production. Uh, So far that hasn't happened, while on the one hand the producers seem to all be in agreement that Russia needs to implement this cut, there's some back and forth about whether it should be a proportionate distribution of quotas or or some other approach. I think one thing that complicates this is that uh, Russia does not want to see traditional fields shut in if that will mean that they can't resume production in the future. So there's still some backroom haggling over how to implement these cuts. And what that could mean is, since uh, the the cuts are supposed to start in May, is that we don't quite get there in May. There could be some foot dragging, which is how Russia's past production cuts have been implemented. There's always been a bit of a a lag in, in getting production down to the agreed levels. So all this means the cuts will not be immediate from May 1.
1: That's interesting. So how much will this affect crude exports?
0: Well, you know, we don't see much change coming in Russia's crude demand. Russia processes domestically a little over half of its crude production, so almost 6 million barrels per day. And right now you have high maintenance levels, but uh, nonetheless, fairly stable crude demand. So uh, as far as the exports go, Russia has been exporting about 5.3 million barrels a day of crude lately. So, this should get exports down to as low as about three point five million barrels per day, so that's certainly a big cut for Russia.:
1: Yes, it is. So what markets will be affected by the decreases?
0: Well, uh, that's where things start to get complicated for Russia. If we look at their exports, you know, if we go way back in time, it used to be that other than some pipeline deliveries to inland Europe, they're only exports really out of the Black Sea, but they've diversified exports a lot. You have now seaborne exports out of both Black and Baltic seas, and you have, of course, the big Asia pivot. You've got 1.8 million barrels per day of mostly Espo blend flowing directly to China and from Cosmino Bay, and then you've got some Sakhalin light. So between all the pipeline deliveries to China and all the Asian exports, uh, we're talking about 1.8 million barrels per day, and that's a fairly fixed volume. Uh, Similarly, Russia sends about 1.3 million barrels per day by pipeline to Belarus and European refineries. Uh, And again, that's a fairly fixed volume. And then the rest, uh, about 2 million barrels per day, they export uh, mostly Urals from the Black Sea and out of the Baltic Sea. And traditionally, when Russia's exports change, that volume fluctuates. You see the swings in how much crude is leaving from the European ports. So if Russia maintains those pipeline deliveries to Asia and inland European destinations, that implies they're basically shut down their seaborne exports of Urals.
1: And what does this mean for short-term exports to Europe and Asia? Well, I think uh,
0: inevitably Russia is going to have to change the way it allocates its crude between the two markets. Now, with the Asia pivot, Russia has really become a stable exporter to Asia in the sense that the eastbound volumes are very stable from month to month. You don't see a lot of switching. Uh, They have the ability to switch crude between eastbound and westbound directions, but they use that ability more as a cushion to ensure stability of Asian exports. With the current Mm. market, though, in the cuts to exports, What we'll see is uh, clearly Russia isn't going to want to allow its seaborne exports from Europe to fall to zero or close to zero. So clearly Russia is going to have to start responding to the market and uh, switching crude between the Asian and European markets. So for the Asian market, that means inevitably we'll see a cut in deliveries in that direction, probably both pipeline deliveries to China and your loadings out of Cosminone. And that's something we should see as soon as May. And then in Europe, yes, we'll see very sharp decreases in seaborne exports of Urals, but clearly Russia's going to want to maintain some stability of those outflows because the last thing they want to do is give up market share. So there's going to be a lot of give and take between how Russia allocates its export volumes geographically in response to what the market is asking for or are not asking for in, in the current market, because of course it's, it's going to be very difficult to place all this crude.
1: Well, it sounds like there's a lot to watch here from how quickly Russia implements the deal to how its behavior as an exporter changes. Thank you, Andrew. We appreciate you joining us today.
0: Thank you. I was happy to join you today and there'll be a lot to watch in the next weeks and months.
1: Thank you for joining us on Energy Analyst Talk,
0: a podcast from ESAI Energy.